<laughs> so I'll leave that to you for a while. All right. So yeah, that um, I, I think if I can maybe just uh, add on to that, um, it's interesting for me this morning that uh, the repetition of the dawn or the morning, um, that in Psalm 46 it says, uh, God will help her when the morning dawns. I think it says there, yeah, verse 6, uh, no, just make sure. Uh, verse 5, it says, uh, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved, God will help her when the morning dawns. And uh, just uh, the scripture that, uh, well, not scripture, the, uh, this side that Ina mentions about in the morning, the beanstalk was up. And there was a breaking of day, a breaking. And there's a beauty in that, um, that, that God designed for us to, to see all around us in a daily form, is that we have a cycle, and there's darkness, and then there's light. Uh, and there's no, no resurrection life that can come before death. By virtue of its name, resurrection life, it has to come after death. And so in between resurrection life and death, there's always a point of stillness or quietness. Be still and know that I'm God. And I think for a number of us, maybe just in this morning, it's like, Lord, we entrust our moment. We entrust the darkness. We entrust the stillness. We entrust the, the seeming not much happening. We entrust that to you because we know the dawn is breaking. Um, Ina and I, we've got uh, three boys. Unfortunately, they're not here this morning. Uh, during the night, we were up <laughs> with sickness and all of that. And we thought, oh man, uh, it's uh, load shedding, it's everything. And uh, we have, uh, luckily, we, we were at the grandparents. And, you know, times have changed. Grandparents are now glorified babysitters, as the grandparents know. Um, it's, uh, but uh, it's uh, wonderful to have grandparents that want to look after the boys. So they're there. And uh, uh, we met uh, Rian and Helen in Wellington when they were still there. Bible school, we were in Wellington. And then 2017, we uh, moved to Malkbos, led the congregation there for three years. And in 2020, we uh, moved to Paul to go and plant uh, the congregation there and then COVID it. So, uh, but it, uh, it has been a lovely time and it got better when uh, you sent Rulof and Ilana, two of the beans, <laughs> but uh, sent to us uh, and uh, they send their love, um, often talk fondly of you guys, and, uh, but they are enjoying Paul as well, we enjoying them, Rulof is preaching Afrikaans, Ilana preached Afrikaans last week. Um, and uh, they are going it. They uh, also. Rulof has got quite a you know wide uh, vocabulary in Afrikaans. All of us are like yes, but uh, <laughs> so. But it is it is a blessing to 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 support one another in that way, and it's a witness. It's really a witness and a sign to to uh, to many uh, longing for how we need to live our church life is uh, to see how we can support one another through the different gifts and on Sundays and in more permanent ways so strengthen the churches. And uh, sometimes we forget that, that uh, you've got to walk with Jesus personally and then we do it corporately together. And the way that we live is also a sign. It's not just living to God and trying, but it's the way we live that out 
that becomes a sign and a wonder. Uh, it causes people to wonder about it. And like, how do you do this? And, and, and it's to pull them in. Um, and uh, that's God's heart, that we in some way drive people to, uh, he speaks of that the Jews would be jealous, uh, but that there's an inquisitiveness that comes like, why do you do the things that you do? Why do you love the way that you love? And that we can draw them in into not just to have eternal life or everlasting life, but to have love, ach, uh, life eternally. Maybe we should just, yeah, we're going to do that. Okay, so before we go there, they're going to help me. I've got a few scripture verses that I, I've got some helpers uh, that will read for me this morning. So we're going to start off with uh, Sean there. Shane, sorry, sorry Shane. 1 John 3, verse 11, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Okay. Nathan? Am I saying it right, ne? Nathan? Yeah. Took me three times, but I've got it. Uh, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son, so that whoever believes in him, trusting, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, or be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. Oh, that's nice. Uh, greatly prized. I like that. Uh, Pamela, First John 4, verse 19. Um, we love because he first loved us. Amen. Rian, won't you just bring my Bible with me as well, please? Thanks, Pamela. And then lastly, Ina, 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 10. First uh, Peter 4, verse 8 to 10. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various varied grace. Amen. So who wants to guess what I'm going to speak about this morning? Love. Love. Love, uh, the thing that everyone sings about, everyone writes about, the topic that everyone longs for. It's love. It's, uh, it's just, it's in us. And one of the big reasons why it's in us is because God is love. Genesis 1 and I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrasing a few portions here so we don't have to read through all of the scriptures. But Genesis 1, we see that God speaks and He says, Let us create man and uh, let us create him or them according to our likeness, male and female. And there's a likeness, He says, to our likeness. No one's built. There's, there's something that when we see or when the world sees them, when creation sees them, they would know something about the likeness of God. So God creates mankind with the capacity to love, with the capacity to give love. And then we, uh, we look at uh, Jesus, and Jesus comes, and he comes to reveal what mankind should look like. And he just reveals love. And it's, 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 it's in bodily form. It's like we can see it. Uh, the, the writers, uh, John says we could taste it. Ach, not we could taste it. We could touch it. We could hear it. We could feel it. It's like he was amongst us, the message of God. 
was amongst us. And the love of God as we, as we, as we saw. God loved the world and he sent his son. And this love of God is demonstrated in Christ Jesus. And then Jesus says, okay, I'm going to go away and I'm going to come back. For a bride. One like me. And Jesus is coming back. And we sometimes forget that, that Jesus is coming back for one like him. I say one, one body, bride, that is, that's got his likeness. That when, when he comes back, he's not going to be like, ah, it's not going to be like Adam where all the animals came by and said, no, 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 this doesn't fit with me, this doesn't fit with me, that one doesn't fit with me. No, no, he's not coming back for some kind of weird creation. He's coming back for one like him. You can love like him, think like him, pray like him. Demonstrate our obedience like Him. And that's what God is forming in you and me. There's one like Him. Sin came to twist that. Sin came to break that. Sin came to separate us from that. But there's a way in Him. And He gives us His Spirit so that we can become like Him. So we, one of the major things, so we're gonna our, the, our likeness to him is seen is in love, and we're gonna look at that this morning. And at the end of this morning, uh, uh, I'm gonna call us, and and probably throughout this morning, but I'm gonna call us to become disciples of love. And by that, I'm not saying that you're not loving. I'm not saying, but I I want to renew. I want to refresh. I hope that uh, there will be a few angles on love that you're like, whoa, I didn't consider that. Or Yo, here's something that Jesus is adding to, that Jesus is encouraging me, that the Spirit is, is, is maybe convicting me of, or that He wants to form in me so that we can follow Jesus. He's called us to be followers of Him. Ne? He's called us to be disciples. Sometimes that word disciple gets, you know, kind of becomes weird. Uh, we don't know what the definition is. But in the Bible times, the disciple was a follower and a learner. Nowadays, uh, an apprentice. Somebody that, 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 that is close to, he sees how the, the, the master is at work and he learns from the master so that he can become like the master. But he's not going to be the master, he's just going to be like him. And you're going to see when you look at him, it's like you probably trained under that person. And then they become in themselves one that is like but also then produces and so God wants us to be love disciples, <laughs> disciples of love, followers and learners. Can we close our eyes just for a moment? And uh, we had such a few pauses here that I think maybe there's something that we just need to, to hang on that. But if you can just after me, just for... I've got three little sentences, so we just want to pray and pause and sit under God for that and say, thank you for your love, Lord. You can just whisper that, but just, Father, thank you for your love. I receive your love.
help me to love. Help me to love. Amen. It was, uh, I don't know how many of you have seen that movie, uh, is it um, the name, uh, I forgot the name of it, it's Mr. Rogers, né? the American, uh, hey? Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, if you can watch the movie, what a classic! But uh, those of you who've seen Mr. Rogers, he was this kind of—he uh, pretty much raised most of uh, or much of the American child in, in in just the ways of God without being overtly Christian. But uh, how to deal with uh, uh, disappointment, how to deal with death, how to love, how to care, and 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 just uh, what a. a an incredible person. He was actually a Presbyterian pastor, but that was was a set aside for this work of ministry that went throughout America. And uh, he, I, I watched a few of his uh, interviews, and he said he, he wrote a book, and he, sp- he spoke about uh, the in-between spaces. That sometimes, you know, he, he wrote a book that had way more space after uh, one of the paragraphs, just so that the person can think about what was just written. And sometimes we need to, we need to have the in-between spaces. Uh, we don't like in-between spaces. This morning, load shedding, needing to get everyone ready, especially hair dried and all of that. And uh, we didn't have a lot of in-between spaces where I can say the love of God. I'm going to preach about the love of God. I almost... <laughs> drove my wife over, <laughs> but no, no, but I reversed, and she had, she was opening the gate, and I just heard, ah! I'm like, where, where? <laughs> and you know, like, you know, it's just tense. Uh, nobody have that before Sunday morning? Huh? Come on, parents. <laughs> Grandparents, you had to look after that. <laughs> but some mornings, or some, but uh, our, our day and age, is, there's not a lot of in-between space. And if we have in-between space, we fill it with scrolling up and down, like buttons and, uh, or comments. But in order to love like Jesus loved, to be like him, we need in-between spaces. If I have to ask you to define love for me, what, what definition would you give to love? We'd probably have lots of different definitions. We'd probably, you know, a lot of different angles because love is so vast. And, and some of us would say, oh, it's like this, but it's, it's also like this. It's kind of difficult to define love. But if I have to ask you to give me examples of love, well, that would be quite easy. It's easy to, to, to set aside like, no, that's love. That's love. When he did that or when she did that, when they go like that, that's love. And isn't it amazing that there's always a person involved when you have to speak about how does love look like? There's always a person involved. Because God wants it like that. And to reveal love, a person is is involved. And for God to reveal His love to the world, you and I will be somewhere in that definition. As we, as we look at wanting to follow or be followers of love and be disciples of love, this question, and this is probably what you can remember if you don't remember anything much of this morning, is this question. 
What does love look like in this situation? What does love look like in this situation? This is the question that you're going to ask just as you go out here. This is the question that you're going to ask tomorrow morning, Monday, getting ready for work or this, that is school. What does love look like? This is the uh, question that you ask yourself and ask God when you have a, a, a confrontation or a, diffi- a difference of opinion or this or that, anything that causes you to not want to go to the in-between space. <laughs> Lord, what does love look like in this situation? If we want to be followers of Jesus, this is a good question to ask. Dallas Willard defines love, and I think we do have to give some kind of definition. He defines love as the following. He says, a genuine readiness and longing to will or to secure the good of others. A genuine readiness, in other words, you, you, you're actually looking for an opportunity, not being robbed of an opportunity, but to look for the, to secure or to will, to, to do something, to secure or will the good of somebody else. Just think whenever you felt loved. Something good came your way. You can go, it's, it's, uh, it could be a correction if you want to go there, even a correction. If, if it's done in love, to secure your good. If, if it, a help, maybe a mother that just gave birth to a baby and just uh, that first week or two, and generally, I, I, I think it uh, help, uh, happens here, but you know, there's a few of the church members who just come help with food, help with, I mean, it's just so helpful. And you feel loved. A listening ear when you speak about something that's difficult and you just need to work through it. You feel loved, not because you got a bunch of answers, but because you had an ear as an answer. But then other times it's quite difficult. I don't know how many of you have read of Dostoevsky. He's a novelist, a Russian novelist, uh, uh, Way back, but he wrote some exceptional things about life and all that. And he says, learning to love is hard and we pay dearly for it. It takes hard work and a long apprenticeship apprenticeship, or discipleship. For it is not just for a moment that we must learn to love, but forever. And he, he kind of captures the way of love, that love is not just a few actions. Love is something that grows. For us to grow in love, we need to keep on loving. And for us to grow in God, we need to keep following Him and the way that He wants us to live over many years. It's a journey. I want to highlight two figures uh, out of the Bible to help us see that journey. first one is John. Second one is Peter. Now, John, we read a number of uh, verses from John, from the Gospel of John or from the Epistles of John. And we read the scripture from Peter as well. These are two guys that in the Bible I think many of us can identify with. Probably mostly Peter because he's just the most human character in a sense. And we, we just see a lot of his mistakes and faults in the Bible. And we feel like, yeah, I can relate with him. I, I also did that. John is another guy. I want to start with him. John, um, 
if I read the book of John or the gospel of John, the picture I have when I think of John is, is, is probably, uh, is it Rob? Robbie? Yeah. I, I think, I think of, I, I look at uh, Rob and I, I think he's a loving, caring guy. And I, when I think of John, I thought, you know, in the end of, uh, of the epistles of John, John comes in and he's just this loving person and he's, my, little, my dear children, love. Dear children, we love because he first loved us. That, that's the picture I had in my mind when. But then I started, you know, reading a little bit with more attention. And I saw Jesus call two brothers. One's name was James. And then there was John, the brother of James. And he said, you will be called sons of thunder. My picture got shattered. Because all of a sudden I have two, now I see two guys that maybe have some tattoos. They're wild, they're ready, they want to they wanna fight. You don't just call guys sons of thunder because they are very melancholy with a harp or something like that. No, these are the guys, that sit, they probably have to be uh, kept at bay. In fact, we see in the Bible that when James and John was with Jesus and Jesus wasn't really received in Samaria. And, you know, the people didn't believe much and he couldn't do much um, miracles. They say, Jesus, shall we call fire down upon them? That is the, the kind of guy that she said, hey, come be a follower. <laughs> I like that. I like the rough around the edges. I like the guys that come there from the West Coast, you know, or from Bloemfontein. When, I met, when we met, uh, when we met uh, Rian, he's from Bloemfontein. He can't speak good English. He's a wrestler by, you know, that's his, he's a, he's a and, you know, he's like, just like this bull terrier. He just wants to fight. And then he starts playing guitar, and I remember, I, I will never forget, I'll probably say this every, I've said it a period of but just, and he's passionate, and he goes, and he's, and every, all the kids, we've got a youth camp, and he goes, come on, spring for Jesus, spring for Jesus. <laughs> That's the spring for Jesus, spring for Jesus. <laughs> well, we jumped, we knew what he meant. <laughs> But I think James and John, they came from Benoni, or maybe, I don't know, what's the areas here? What's uh, some of the area, the more rougher areas? I, I mean, I hope I don't offend, but, you know, I remember my brother was in, in, in um, one of the, the Gym, Paul Gym, and they spoke about the, the Pele van Paro. You know, the, the, it's like, if you, I don't know, but the, I come from another place. I don't know if that's the, but it, I, I kind of have that vibe, you know, it's like, hey. We want to do something for you know, God, and we want to do it in our way, actually, because it works. If I intimidate, if I... And, and, and God brings these two sons of thunder in. And He allows them to follow Him. He draws them close. And over a period of time, John is the one that writes... Perfect love casts out all fear. We love because he first loved us. And it's, I don't think 
it was that he lost his personality. Because he was the guy, the only apostle that did not die by beheading or so. In fact, the guys tried. They threw him into a pot of boiling oil. Struisbob, National Geographic, it's, it's real, it really happened. You know, that kind of, and he did not die. I don't know. You know, my mind goes into all this. Like, I think he stands like, come on, you suckers. <laughs> Jesus lives. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, but John, son of thunder, but apostle of love. You can have those two with you. That love is not this mushy kind of, oh, you know, weird, soppy, weak kind of thing. And we called into that kind of faith and nobody can stand. We're just like, no, the love of God is strong. The love of God is the thing that will keep us till the end. The love of God is that which drove him through death into resurrection life. The love of God was... It, is, it was so strong that he could look at Judas in the eye and say, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. But I am going to keep on loving. The love of God is strong. But it's not mean. It's beautiful. Then we've got Peter. And Peter is the one that He's also out there, but it seems to me as I read the scriptures that he's got a bit more of a, he's not like this aggressive guy, but he always says something before he thought about it. So he's the, he's the uh, maybe, I don't know if he's maybe a little bit more jokey or so, but I mean, he went for it and then, oh, shucks, that wasn't maybe a good idea. I'm drowning now. Help me. Help me. So he's out there, and uh, in John 13, we're going to look at John 13, a few verses. And John 13, now, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are what they call the synoptic Gospels. Gospels. In other words, they look very much, uh, you know, they look kind of from the same point of view, and there's a not exactly chronolo- uh, chronologically the same, but they kind of follow the same thing. John is different, the gospel. John's intention with his gospel was really to elevate God, show him forth as, as, as the Son of God. And we, we, we see that things don't happen as chronologically as the other ones. So you'll see that, you know, the way that he writes, if you go and do some study in John, I mean, there's some beautiful symbolism. You see all the stuff that happens at night, all the stuff that happens in the day. It's like it indicates certain things. It's like he wants to say things in between the lines. It's like take note. He's speaking to the Pharisee at night. They ask, and then a day he does this miracle. He does so. He's he's, there's there's a lot of like hidden stuff that you need to read over and over and over. And it's like wow, this is cool. All right. So John thirteen. Jesus speaks to them, and it's the Last Supper. And uh, Jesus, in verse 14, it's, he just washed the feet. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also, also ought to wash one another's feet. All right, now, Jesus is saying that. Can I ask, who of you have read in Romans, in Acts, in the other epistles of how they washed the people's feet? Not much, all right? So it's not 
And I, I say that, I want to highlight that, because Jesus is not just ask, uh, asking us to wash the physical feet. He's, he's meaning something. He's saying, guys, you've got to love one another. You've got to serve one another. And he speaks there like the teachers become the servant. And he, in verse 15, he says, I've given you an example that, also, that you also ought to do just as I have done to you. I love that. God has not just given us his spirit. He's not just given us his son in the sense of a, uh, as an offering for sin. He's given us an example as well. You want to know what love looks like? Look at the example. And so Jesus says, I've given you an example. And, 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 and you must know that this night was like, oh, if you just read through it, it's, 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 it's filled with, with a lot of, in one sense, tension for us because we know what's coming uh, the disciples are slightly, you know, it's, it's the air. He's spoken about that he's going to die, but, you know, we can have a lack of meal now. And, you know, there's some uh, stuff has been prepared. And now he gets down on uh, his knees and he's, wash, he's washing us. And Peter says, no, I should wash your feet. And then Jesus says, no, I need to wash your feet unless you can't have problems. He says, oh, okay, no, well, then wash everything, you know. And it, it's like Peter's and you can, I'm, I'm, I wish I could. Be a fly on the wall. Just see what's happening. While Jesus was Peter, all the other disciples looking, saying, Oh, Peter, again. You always say the wrong thing. Or is Thomas and uh, maybe John looking, Oh, Peter, again. It's just, and they chat about what happened yesterday. And uh, what's happening there? But Jesus is busy and he's trying to communicate something, some of the last things that's so important for him. And verse 34. We come to, and it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Could, okay, just saying, a new commandment. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, this is commandment is given in the Old Testament already. Love God with your whole heart. And then a few other times in the Gospels, he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? To love God, to love your neighbor. Yeah, Jesus, a new commandment I give you. What is he trying to say? Why is he saying a new commandment? My stop now. Now, we can go and sit and meditate on that. I think there's an aspect of a new understanding, a deeper understanding, a new way of loving one another. Where they have been walking with Jesus for three years and they've still not clicked that when they sit and no one's washing feet, that one of them should actually wash the feet. And Jesus gets up and he says, I've given you an example. And so he says, guys, I need you to get this. A new commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. Verse 35 Jesus goes, and this is a scripture that we often quote. It says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's the, 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 the distinction between the world and the church, between the world and the followers of Jesus is love. But I ask you, to be honest, if you have to think about a successful Christian, uh, community 
leaders, if you think of the people in your community maybe and, and how to help mature them, um, maybe uh, you're walking with somebody, and this is not necessarily just the community, this can be you're walking with somebody in the faith, and you, you're thinking, how can we help mature them? How often is the question, how can we make them great lovers of God and people? How, how often is that question and that aim that you will be skillful at loving? Not just know that you should love, but good at loving people. Because isn't it so true that we are very good at knowing what to do, but how to do it, we often struggle with. Husbands, how skillful are you at loving your wife? She'll tell you. But it's amazing, and I, when, I, when, I, when I speak about this, I'm not doing this. It's amazing for me at my, I mean, I've been following the Lord for a number of years. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm being paid to do this, you know, for, uh, uh, and, and, and I still, I am clumsy. Still, I am, I'm, uh, it, I struggle at loving well. I know, I can give you Greek words. I can say where the scripture references are for what God says about love. But to love, that's a difficult thing. And we pay a dear price for it, as Dostoevsky say. And so the aim of God is not just that you know that you should love. The aim of God is not just that we know we should worship Him. That we, no, it's that we are like Him. That we are loving. Would that be a description of you and me? Yeah, He's a loving person. She's a loving person. I think if we look at that scripture we just read, that if the world says, wow, they are loving people, that would indicate to them that we are his disciples. Ooh, Aina. Ah. <laughs> now there's a lot of things in that. We we love God by obeying him. We lo- love people and, and there's a lot of that. But what I, what I'm aiming for, what I want to kind of hit the, the, the bell with is like, hey, is love the aim? Or is it I've got to be at the community, I've got to uh, give tithe, I've got to this, I've got to that, I've got to, and we've lost the person, we've lost the aim that these are indications, that these are signs maybe of our love for him, but our heart has not lost the, the, the mark, it's not lost the bull, bullseye where it's I'm loving God, I'm loving people. And so Jesus says in verse 35, you'll be known by the love. And then in verse 36, now here, here's some of that, how John wrote. He, he, he writes this in this group. He says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. I cannot, you cannot follow now, but you will follow afterward. Verse, uh, verse 37 says, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? 
I mean, uh, don't you love Peter? I just want to be close to you, Jesus. I mean, you, you've washed my feet. I, I need to repay you in some way. Yeah. I will lay down my life for you. Have you heard that? And this is a little bit later in John 15. No greater love is a friend than to lay down his life. Okay, so we know that laying down our lives for one another is an indication of love. What is Peter saying? Jesus, I love you. I love you. I will lay down my life for you. And many of us here will probably say, man, with our spouses or our children, I will lay down. If there's somebody that comes in here with a nine mil, I will jump in ahead. And we, you know, some people even fantasize. So how will they, I jump on the hand grenade? Or, you know, it's like, I'm a son of thunder. I'm Peter. I'm a... And we, we fantasize about the heroic ways of love. Because that's how Hollywood paints it. No, it's kind of. And Jesus says, you can't follow me now. I've called you to be a disciple. I've called you to follow me. But now you can't. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I've given my life for this. You've even rebuked. You've called me a devil once, but I repent. You remember, we can be disciples or devils. We must just agree with Jesus, then we're disciples. <laughs> and Jesus answered in verse 38, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow, will not crow till you have denied me three times. Yes. <laughs> and Peter's not getting it. I'll show him. At night, he even chopped that one guy's ear off ne, with, a, with his uh, sword. I will love Jesus. I will lay down my life for him. In John 17, now I'm jumping a little bit. John 17, verse 26, Jesus prays. And he prays for the disciples. He prays for, um, for us. And he prays this. He says, I've made, he's now speaking to the Father. We include it. We, we the fly on the wall while Jesus is praying. And he says, I've made known your name and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What's, what's the aim of Jesus here? Is the aim of Jesus is, I want the kind of love that the Father had for me to be in her. To be in her. To be in him. It is, it's staggering when I think of that. For Jesus, can that prayer be answered? Uh, honestly, I'm like, and that's when I think of myself. I don't know. I I can't love God or love Jesus as the Father loved Him. But Jesus prays for this, and I've got a sneaky suspicion that all the prayers of Jesus will be answered because everything that He asks for and that He says, He does it in the will of God. So, I don't know, Lord, but answer your prayer. And He prays the love of the Father be in Him. And he prayed that for Peter too. Now in Luke, so remember the Gospels speak kind of about the same. In Luke, this account goes as follows. Simon, Simon, this is Peter's other side name. Jesus is speaking. Satan has has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. When you've turned again, 
You cannot follow me there now, but you will afterward. When you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew. Peter, you're thinking too much of yourself, but I've prayed for you. And this morning I want to tell you that Jesus has prayed for you and me. And after you have turned, strengthen your brothers, sisters. He has prayed for you and me. He has prayed for you and me. I hope that settles in your heart. It's a sign of his love. And isn't it beautiful in John 21, and I'm not going to go into all of that now, that when Jesus comes and Peter has lost hope in himself, faith in himself, I said I'm going to love him. I said I'm going to lay down my life. I denied him. He goes back to fishing. He goes back to doing. And while they're in the fishing boat, one sees Jesus on the shore. And he says, it's the Lord. Peter is so overwhelmed. He jumps in and he swims. And he's there. And Jesus comes. And what is the question that he asks Peter? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? You said you will lay down your life for me. You said you loved me. Do you love me? Peter's kind of, yeah, I do. But And then later on he says, and how does his love, how does he kind of group or, or in what context does he give this aspect of love? He says, as you love me, take care of my sheep. Look after the lambs. As your love for me will transcend or will translate into love for others. You have got an example. Love. And that he calls us and he shows us in this portion. It's like, hey, love looks like something. It's concrete. It's not just up there and it's a nice thing to know that we must do. We must love now. And Peter then goes on and he's used in Acts as a church leader. But do you know what? In Galatians, Paul comes and the, the gospel came to the Gentiles, which pretty much most of us, unless there are a few Jews by, by birth here. But the yeah, gospel comes and they can eat pork. They can eat like a meat, and Peter likes this. He's never tasted pork in his life, but you young. And he enjoys it, and he's hanging out with the brothers. And some others of uh, Jerusalem come, and all of a sudden he's like, Oh shucks, I did something wrong. I'm not and he starts to and he goes back to and all of a sudden, because of his example, the Gentile believers are like, What's happening here? Now there's like a, and Paul goes, and I slut form. I say, you are doing this, this you are, uh, it's a disgrace to the gospel. And what I, what, what's actually beautiful for me in that is that Peter repents. And he goes on loving again. It's like that the way that we, we don't get completely sorted out when Jesus comes into our lives. We don't get completely sorted. We have the way and we have him. But we now need to grow in love. Clumsy step by clumsy step. Falling forward and then backward. Oh, Even Peter grew as a mighty apostle of God. 
had to grow in love. How much more you and me. And God calls us to be followers. Where we could not follow him in our own strength. Afterward, we can follow him in his strength. How does love look like? Maybe by a last example, just in our lives, in my life maybe in particular, how I experienced that in, in our household. Because that's where love starts. We, we call to love the world. You've got to love, yeah. Your neighbor starts next to you. And parents, well, as a spouse, God gives us a spouse to show us how unloving we are at times, né? how selfish we are. And then just as you think, oh, sure, I've got this love thing waxed. He gives you a child. And you can't reason with the child. You can't expect anything back. You've just got to give and give. And they don't time their giving. They don't uh, consider you in, in how you should give. Morning, noon, whenever. Whenever they need it. And it's actually a beautiful picture of how we need to grow in love. And what my children have taught me the most is my childishness, my immaturity, how selfish I am. And uh, at one stage in, in last year, we, with COVID, we homeschooled our boys. Or when we moved to Paul, we, we started homeschooling our boys. And uh, they did fine um, academically in Malkbos. And as we... Um, as we came, uh, kind of out of the uh, covered, we, we okay, there's, maybe we should start to, to you know, get the boys back into school. We wanted to test, kind of just see where they are. Um, and we took them to an occupational therapist. Yeah? yeah. So, uh, educational psychologist. Sorry, educational psychologist. Um, because, you know, both Ina and I, we readers. We like to read. We like to, and, and, uh, I don't know, are my boys now lazy or what's wrong? But we're seeing a few things that we're like, oh, we need to check this. Now, generally, uh, my, my assumption, my loving assumption, and I'm, I'm sarcastic with that, was that they're lazy and they're trying to get us to give up so that they can go and play again. Uh, and there's a, so we like, and, and you know, when you do homework with children, it, it can get heated at times. Yeah, when you laugh, you know. And and so you know the and um, I mean a long story short, we we uh, come with our one boy, and and it came out that our older two boys have got some uh, learning challenges, um, some reading disabilities, uh, dyslexia, and then um, dysgraphia, and um, and then ADHD, and there's a le- uh, I call it the dis bucky, when there's a lot of dis dis words in it. This, that, this, and I'm like, but while we were um, sitting with our one boy, now, me and my one boy, we had quite a bit of a strained relationship from my point of view, and he pressed all my buttons to love, all my immature buttons, um, and, uh, and I, I started seeing, okay, yes, if I track this end of the high school, there's, there's not going to be much left with this, because I've got to, I can't let him get away with everything. He 
because then he's going to be a rebellious child, and 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 and, and it's like bad, and then he's never going to leave the house, and he's he's going to be, you know, it's it's just like all the fear stuff, and he's not going to be successful, and he's not going to this that, and so we are battling, and every time we, so I'm I'm actually it's about the future that I'm mad about, not about what's happening now, in, in subconsciously, and this uh, psychologist sits in front of us, and he shows us how he made his drawings and, and just highlights a few things. And he says, this little boy has got a real struggle within him to have everything together. ADHD and all of that does that, you know, if you've got any um, knowledge of that. And, uh, and so he is he's actually, he constantly feels like he's drowning. Now, if you see him like this, it doesn't look like him. Rianne and him knows. If he's, he's actually quite playful and he's a little bit rough and he, he's like Peter, actually. I think maybe Peter had ADHD. I think so. And uh, he goes and he, I mean, he's a, but then there's these moments. It's just like, and it's, it's, it, it feels aggressive. And aggression towards the authority feel, is most rebellion. Ne? So we don't do rebellion in the church. You've got to correct that. And so he says that this little boy is, is, is fighting for, for, for uh, I'm saying now security, but he's, he's trying to keep everything together. And when you come in the situation and you elevate a greater sense of insecurity by, why haven't you done this yet, or you should do this, uh, he interprets it as rejection, interprets it as you're drowning further, or we're pushing, and that then causes a reaction that comes across very aggressively. And I'm sit there, and I'm thinking, and then he says, "But you know what's so amazing about this little boy? He keeps on trying. That means he's not lost hope. He'll, he'll maybe not be able to answer one question, but then later on he gives an answer about the question because he kept trying. That is." So good. And as he speaks about my son, in front of me, the picture of the little aggressor, the little rebellious one, the little changes to the one saying, help me, love me better. And I was loving because I was training him to be successful. I was loving because I was helping him be more responsible. And I was hurting him. Intentionally trying to love, or trying it with the intention to love. And it changed when I saw him better. And Jesus sees us. And you know what? In that moment, the real dyslexic had to stand up because I was dyslexic in how I show love. I was, I had the this word. <laughs> I was, I was struggling to show love. And it opened a vista of the way I look at people that sometimes we don't know the story that's behind everyone. Where they're trying. And now you come and you say maybe one thing. Accidentally, not intentionally. Wah! Aggression. Rebellion. Close off. What? Just because you were unskilled in loving another. And uh, I'm still growing. I'm still stepping into it at times. 
different. I'm seeing him different. I'm more patient. I'm more gracious. I come alongside him more. I don't just expect him to get it right from there and say, come, get it right. I can come alongside. And I think as a church, as an individual for where you are, God is calling us to be disciples of love, followers of love. He wants to touch our eyes so that we see the one next to us. And I think it's so beautiful as you look at one another like this. To see one another and just pause. Have an in-between space and maybe ask, well, how does love look like in this situation? And yes, there are some serious things where, you know, we don't budge on sin or all of that. But can we go one step back or maybe one step closer and just make sure it is sin? Before we judge, before we correct, or before we just wink at it, or before we let it go. We've got to get into it, just like Jesus. Jesus didn't sit there up in, in heaven and say, hey, get it right, love. No, he came into our mess. He came into a world that's screaming and that can't do it on their own and that's not able. He came in. For 30 years he walked. He knows us. Bible says that he is able to sympathize with us. And yet he did not sin. His love not, not, did not make him soft. His love did not make him like God. His love made him more righteous, more holy. And as one guy, uh, Rich Veloda, said, In our minds, holiness is usually about what we abstain from. But Jesus saw holiness as what we give ourselves to. Give ourselves to the justice. Mercy, compassion, love, hospitality. In the end, the holiest people are the ones who love well. Is that your definition of holy? Person who love well. Can we be a holy people? Given to love. I'll end off with this. Right who wrote the message. He says, there's nothing I'm less good at than love. I'm far better in competition than in love. I'm far better at responding to my instincts and ambitions to get ahead and make my mark than I am at figuring out how to love another. I'm schooled and trained in acquisitive skills, in getting my own way. And yet I decide every day to set aside what I can do best and attempt what I do very clumsily. I open myself to the frustrations and failures of loving. Daring to believe that failing in love is better than succeeding in pride. It's beautiful. It's like I want to call you to the difficult work. Call you to the work that costs you to love. To figure out how to love that person in your community. To figure out how to love the person sitting across from you, to figure out, to take the time, to sit, to pray about, to ask the questions, to get to know, to get your hands dirty and, 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 and become stronger and more skilled at loving another. Because only then will the world know we are his disciples. Let's close our eyes.